Welcome to the Be Early Podcast with Coach Gavin Cree, where I explore the history of Mercer Island boys basketball through conversations with former players, coaches, opponents, and more. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with friends, family, and anyone else who might have an interest in the stories and individuals who influenced Mercer Island basketball. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's podcast features a conversation with Point Loma Nazarene University assistant coach and Mercer Island basketball alum, 2004 graduate Patrick Frost. Coach Frost was a first-team all-Kinko selection in his senior season. He led the Islanders to an undefeated Kinko championship season and a berth in the 2004 Washington State 3A state tournament. Patrick played college basketball at the Division III level at Redlands University for two seasons before moving back to Seattle and beginning his coaching career. Coach Frost began his coaching career working under Coach Peppel in his final season in 2009. The following season, Coach Frost continued as an assistant under myself in 2010 before pursuing an opportunity in the AAU space locally in Seattle with Emerald City Basketball Academy. Coach Frost then linked up with Coach Matt Logie at Whitworth University and then had stops at University of San Diego, Western Oregon University, and now Point Loma. Coach Frost is a hot young assistant coach who has a bright future in the game of basketball. We had a great back and forth conversation as Patrick and I have shared many basketball experiences together over the years. And he's somebody that has a really unique perspective on Coach Pebble and the MI program. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Point Loma Nazarene University assistant coach, Patrick Frost. All right, Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Gav. Uh, before we get going, I just want to let you know that I've listened to all the episodes and it's been awesome, man. It's been great to hear from, you know, guys about just reliving the Mercer Island experience and um, how cool of a, you know, fraternity or brotherhood it really is. Um, it's been it's been great to, you know, hear from guys from the past and kind of relive all the experiences that I did growing up as a kid. So keep it going, man. It's been great. No, I appreciate that. To introduce you, I had a little opening um, on your bio uh, before we are speaking here. But, um, you know, you're the assistant coach at Point Loma. We interviewed or I interviewed uh, Coach Logie, who was a 1999 MI grad who I played with at Mercer Island. He's the head coach of, of the Point Loma program. You're his assistant coach. You were with him at Whitworth as well. You guys finished your season Gosh, I don't know how long ago now. It's been a month or two, but um, how did it go? When I interviewed Coach Logie, it was right as practices were getting going. How did the season end up going, and how did it finish up? You know, it was it was weird, as I'm sure every coach at you know any level will tell you this year was. We were fortunate enough to get 11 games in. Um, so how our how our season unfolded, and I know Coach Logie kind of touched on this when he came on. We had fall practices and the first month and a half or so was pretty much all 
skill development. You know, each player had their own ball. They couldn't pass to each other. Um, you know, we were finally able to do some, some five-on-o work um, later in the fall. But it, it was, you know, it was pretty pretty unique. And we had to be creative about how we wanted to, you know, get our, get our work in and, and improve. And we had about two months in the fall with the guys. Uh, they went home right before Thanksgiving. The university decided that we were going to take a break um, right before Thanksgiving, um, kind of to avoid that second wave of, of COVID that everybody was afraid of. And our guys went home for about six weeks. And uh, right after Christmas, we came back and, and started practicing. And we get back on the on the 28th and test and had practice on the 30th. And two weeks later, we were playing our first game. So the normal ramp up that we had or that we normally have in the fall just wasn't there. It was, uh, you know, it was an adjustment. Um, I think our guys did a great job of handling it. We, you know, we ended up winning our first three games pretty handily. And then unfortunately had a, a pause. Uh, one of our players tested positive. We were out for, for 10 days, came back and had a couple modified practices and then had to, you know, really our first practice jump right back in. We played two days after that. Um, and I, I don't think at the time we realized, you know, Matt and I were talking about after the season, we didn't realize how much it was going to impact our guys. I just, I never felt like we, we got the flow we had before our pause after that, you know, but we we're finished eight and three and we're fortunate enough to make the NCAA tournament again uh, for the second, actually the fourth straight year for Point Loma, second year in a row for our staff. Season didn't end the way we wanted to, but looking back on it, you know, I think, you know, this is probably the sentiment of a lot of coaches, just having gratitude and being grateful to even play, mm -hmm. um, I think was the the takeaway. The other thing was, you know, our, our returners essentially getting 11 free games with the NCAA saying everybody's going to get their year back. Um, I think it was great, especially for our two, the three freshmen uh, for next year. So, yeah, that's a, a huge benefit to get, get your guys back. And I know you have some pretty good, upperclassmen that will have a great uh, final year next year. So that's awesome. Is there, is there anything that, um, you know, you would keep about that you had to adjust? You talked about adjustments um, as a coach and a staff to, to fit this small, short season. Is there anything that you feel like you would want to take with you? Any lessons learned about, hey, this was more efficient. We did it this way. I know for our staff, there were a number of things that we figured out in that regard. I think the the biggest thing right off the top of my head is um, because of the way our schedule was designed, we were playing back-to-backs with the same team each week. It really made scouting a lot easier. So in, in a traditional year, the way our staff divides scouts is each assistant has kind of his own scout. And you, you, know, you go through your personnel, your sets, you're, you're figuring out the game plan. I thought this year it was easier for us to incorporate everybody. Um, so we'd have one assistant who would do all the personnel. He would, he would know everything about each player. And then we had another assistant who would, who would, you know, kind of run through their actions or how we want to guard them. But I thought it was, it was great. And that everybody was, was really involved with each scout. Um, you know, I, I've talked, I know some staffs I've talked to them and, and that's how they do it in a normal year anyway. Um, I don't know if that's something we'll go to, but that's certainly something that I thought benefited 
us as a staff, it just, it, it took the, a lot of the workload off of, of one guy. Now, obviously playing back to back against the same team, you know, makes it a heck of a lot easier Friday night. You know, you know all you're doing is watching the game and figuring out if you want to, you know, maybe have one or two adjustments for the next day. Um, but I thought that was, that was something that I think we could take away from just game planning. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Getting everybody involved. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you kind of forced to with the short time frame. I think the thing, the one thing for us that we took away was we kind of had to just jump right into playing, you know, instead of like the normal ramp up of drill work for the first week and, you know, building things up from, from the, the, the bottom up and, uh, and building as the year goes, we kind of had to start with what we thought we knew and then work backwards almost to fill the holes. It's interesting. I don't know if that's the, the approach we have to reflect on it more, but I do think that you you got to find a kind of find out, you know, what can your guys handle? What can you skip um, and buy yourself more time? Because ultimately, we're still always looking for more time to develop our teams, especially at the high school level. You know, we only have two weeks. And in this case, this season, it was like five days to get ready for a game, six days. So um, I I think the other thing we took away was um, because we're we're very big on our culture and you know, togetherness. And, and, you know, we like Matt prides himself on, on that. And I think this year really, cause we weren't able to, you know, we couldn't meet in person during the fall. It was come I mean, you know, come to the gym and then you're gone. And so, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to communicate with these guys texting or calling, but it's just, it's not the same as being in person. I think it really just solidified Hey, this is, this is how we want to keep doing things. And this has been successful. And there's a reason that, you know, his teams have had so much success. This was a big part of it. And they really just kind of reassured, okay, we're, we're doing things the right way and the way we want to do them. Yeah, for sure. So Patrick, you're a 2004 MI graduate. You know, I knew you from just little dribblers coaching your grade levels, probably a little bit and, and kind of knowing who the younger guys in the program were camps, whatever. What uh, going back even before all that time, high school, middle school? What were your, what were your earliest basketball memories? Picking up the basketball for the first time or being interested in it? What, where did it all start for you? Well, I think it started uh, really with my dad. Um, he's a, a Mercer Island grad as well from 1970, and he's he's still to this day very good friends with a lot of a lot of guys who were on Coach Pebble's first team. Um, Ron Cohn, Roger Schwartz, uh, Kevin Haynes, the Haas brothers, Dave Bean. So he he was really kind of ingrained in the basketball culture from the beginning. And he never played basketball. Uh, he was a baseball player growing up and ended up playing at Seattle U, but, you know, built really good relationships with those guys. And um, I think when I was six or seven, was when I went to my first Mercer Island game. You know, I couldn't tell you who they played or, you know, <laughs> if they won. But I remember going and thinking, this is this is really cool. This is something I could I could be interested in. And uh, you know, as I started to get older, by the time I was in, you know, fourth, fifth grade, I think when I was in second or third grade was when the '93 team won the state title. And I remember my dad telling me the story about Jason Cooper being at Island Park the night before the state championship game, shooting jump shots till like two in the morning. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that. 
And I, I couldn't tell you why I just, it sounded <laughs> cool at the time. <laughs> um, and as, as I, as I got older, I, I, uh, just became even more invested and, and interested in it. Um, I remember going to the Tacoma Dome in 1995 and watching Mark Myman and Tarek and those guys play Quincy Wilder in the state semis. I remember going to the high school on Friday nights and watching Sai Katara and, you know, guys that I just, I was, I would leave and say, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I, I want to be a, a I want to play for coach Pebble. And I think if you play basketball on, on the Island from, as a, as a little kid in the eighties and nineties, you know, your goal was I want to play for coach Pebble one day. And uh, it was, it was just what I wanted to do. You know, I made the sixth grade little dribblers team in fifth grade. Cole Matthews and I were the only two fifth graders who made it. And I got to go to Texas that year and I didn't play one minute in Texas as a fifth grader, but <laughs> it was one of the most fun trips I've ever been on. Uh, we lost our first game to the really a really talented team from Houston. And I remember we were in the locker room afterwards and, and Coach Pebble walks in and he goes, well, guys, the road just got a lot tougher. Because <laughs> uh, at the time the tournament was set up, you, it was double elimination. So if you lost your first game, you're automatically in the loser's bracket. And we had to win six games in a row to get back to the championship. And we did it. Wow. We ended up beating that Houston team again in the championship. Um, and and that, was, that was kind of my introduction to coach Peppel and what his expectations were. And um, he coached us the same way he coached his varsity team. We ran spots and we ran San Diego and I could still tell you exactly what the reads are today that we learned 25 years ago. So um, it, it just, it, it became a, a lot of my identity was, um, you know, I just, I enjoyed basketball and I enjoyed the, the team aspect of it and working as a group to try and accomplish a goal. And, um, you know, that was that when I got to middle school, that's what I, you know, my number one goal was I want to play for coach Pebble and, and be a captain for him one day. It's awesome. I love that, that, uh, Texas memory, you know, coming in and saying, well, the road just got a lot tougher, but I can just yeah. see him saying it, you know, in just a matter of fact way and oh yeah, setting you guys up to just yep. go ahead and win the rest of them. And then, um, then he, and then, you know, he was on, I, I, I'll never forget. I, I'm saying this cause I heard Omar say it, but he was on to his next meal. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we eating? <laughs> I'm sure you ate at some awesome barbecue place or something. We did. Um, yeah. you mentioned a lot of players. I love the shout outs. Um, is there any one or two players that you kind of patterned your game after or really, really looked up to were, were, were favorites of Patrick Frost? Yeah, I uh, when I got to middle school um, in the late 90s, it was that three year stretch that was probably the best three year stretch in the history of the program. Um, you know, I was <clears throat> I was a ball boy in I, think I was in sixth grade at the 97 state championship when Brian Brown scored 19 points in the fourth quarter and they beat Dan Dick Allen Prairie. Um, I mean, that was one of the single greatest shooting performances I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, I was at the Olympia game in 98 and, you know, I was at the, when you guys beat O'Day in 99, you know, I remember being down near the court and Elliot Praze Freeman called me over and gave me a big hug and 
I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing that had ever happened in my life. Like of all the people in the, in the kingdom for him to single out, it was me just having watched them, them play for, for three years. Um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned guys that I modeled my game after I've told people this and it's, <clears throat> it's pretty crazy that I've now worked with him for six, almost six years, but I wanted to be Matt Logie when I was in high school. Um, you know, one of the things I could do was shoot. And so I would go to the gym and, you know, I would watch him work out and I would watch him shoot. And I just, that, you know, all right. We had the same body frame. We were both pretty skinny, but we could really shoot. And I figured out early that if you can make shots, there was always a place for you. So he was, he was a guy that I really wanted to model my game after. Um, and I would say the other guy was Justin Waldy. I was, uh, I was a freshman in high school when he was a senior. And I thought that just his, I thought he was always mature. He was very under control. Um, I thought his game was really smooth. His, his mid-range game was, you know, really hard to guard. And uh, those were two guys that I, I thought if I could ever get to the level of them, I'll be a good player. Um, and I, I tried to do things that they did, um, you know, whether it was on my own or with other guys in the gym. Um, you know, those, those two guys were really two that I tried to model my game after. That's great. Yeah, we just got done with our banquet the other day and, um, you know, we're telling the stories of the work that some of these seniors have put in to be good players, Tyler Butson, David Pickles, you know, two all league level players, captains for us. And yeah, you just hope that you can impress upon the younger guys to do what you did with, with Waldy, with Logie to, you know, look at the script that they've laid out and, and try to emulate it and do, do the work that they've put in. And uh, like you said, you end up a pretty good player. So no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it's kind of the same thing we tell our incoming freshmen every year. Um, you know, this at Point Loma this year, we're we're going to have three all league players back. Um, you know, I think two of them have a chance to to be all Americans, and you know, it's going to be kind of the same message to our freshmen: Hey, just follow the leader. You know, do what he does, and then you'll you'll like the results. So um, you know, different. Different wording, but same message. Yeah, it's simple, and it really they're, is. they're right there in front of you. You know, there's always a a number of good examples right there. You talked about kind of your your idols and your motivation for becoming a Mercer Island basketball and some of the experiences in your youth. As you got into your high school career, um, one of the other things that I always talk to our incoming freshmen about is the the Coach Pebble quote: "It's not where you start, it's where you finish." You know, there's always going to be bumps in the road in a in a career, in a whatever it is, high school career, college career, coaching career, in life. You know, there's bumps in the road. It's not going to be perfect. I, it's so rare for a, a player to even finish their career and say, hey, I accomplished everything I set out to do. It's just very rare to do that. So in your MI career, which which turned out awesome, you know, you had, I think you were league MVP. Is that right? No. Or no. I was first team all league. First team all league. Okay. There was a there was a guy at Issaquah named Garrison Carr who. Oh yeah, pretty uh, good player. An American. I think he scored like thirty four points against Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. He was <laughs> he was a good player. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but a first team all league player, 
you guys were undefeated in the conference um, your senior year, went into state and and had a, a nice little run there. So an awesome year and, and a year that I think people probably expected maybe a little bit less because you had lost so many quality seniors from the year before, guys that played at the college level, Brandon Burmeister at UW, um, Braden Bilby at American. Austin Ewan. Austin Ewan, SPU. Yeah, Kevin Charles. Kevin Charles, you yeah. know, at the at the D three level, so just a lot of a lot of quality players that had been around for a while. All of a sudden, you guys have a similar type of year. But backing up a little bit, I just wanted to find out what were the highs and lows of your career. Um, everybody experiences them. What were what were those for you? How did it evolve? And we know how it finished, but but what was what did it take to get there? You know, you, you mentioned adversity. Um, you know, I I think it's. Uh, it's it's always fascinating when you know you get to high school as a freshman or you get to college as a freshman and i've obviously had more experience you know seeing high school seniors come in as college freshmen but there's kind of this expectation of i'm going to do what i did at the at the previous level um you know i was like well i i, I could be on varsity as a freshman or i could you know be playing or do this and that and that's just not the reality of the situation um, and, and you, and, and you learn very quickly how many good players are in front of you. And, and especially at Mercer Island, you know, nothing's going to be handed to you. Um, so I played, I played freshman basketball as a freshman and I had, I had games where I didn't start. I had games where I played three minutes. Um, you know, I, I remember, our coach telling me, Hey, you're, I know you can do a lot of stuff on offense, but you're going to play if you can play defense. And, um, I remember a game we were playing Blanchette and I had six or seven steals and I played nine minutes. You know, it was, it was my first time really not being successful, but thinking I deserved more. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I put my head down and said, okay, I clearly need to get better. So how do I do that? And I figured out, I figured out ways to get better. And I think, I think my, this is where I'm really thankful for my parents. Um, Cause they just, they wouldn't cave to, well, I'm going to call your coach and, and ask him about this and that it's no, this is your thing. You want to do this kind of, you figure it out. So we ended up actually having a, a really good freshman year. I think we were 16 and four, 17 and three. Uh, we had, of the guys we came in with, I think maybe two of them moved up to the sophomore team, but but the, the core group we'd been playing with for three years still together. Um, as a sophomore, I kind of bounced between JV and, and the sophomore team. And that was actually my the hardest year I had, just kind of seeing some guys move ahead of me or, or were more where that I, I'm like I'm better than them and I know I'm better than them but again it, it, it's it was it didn't matter what I thought you know it mattered what the coaches thought so I just I kept I kept trying to prove myself and then after my sophomore year my parents and I sat down and I said listen I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to play here and I thought about switching schools I don't think I don't think a lot of people know that but I I, I was ready to I was ready to leave. I wanted a chance to play. I wanted to, <laughs> my mom looked at me and she said, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, you're not going anywhere. And I'm, I'm so grateful 
for that because uh, that summer for uh, I was playing JV and ended up doing very well. And I remember in August when every everything was done, AAU was done and, and the high school stuff was finished. Uh, my dad and I went to go meet with Coach Pebble at, at Chase's and uh, we sat down and he said, okay, you've, you've, earned, a, you've earned a shot to, to play on a varsity next year. So I'm not promising you you'll make it, but you're you're in the mix. I was so relieved more than anything. All right, here I am. I'm going to get this opportunity to show what I can do. Um, and I knew how good as a, as a junior, I knew how good that team was. And as, as we've talked about, I mean, they had four four college basketball players, and our our fifth starter, Charlie Ferre, was a good player. We had a six man who ended up, I think he ran track at Minnesota. Um, he had, his family had just moved to the island for the year. So I knew how good we were. And I, I started the year and suit up the first game, played JV the whole, the whole, and I'm like, what is going on? So go home that night, didn't sleep, woke up the next morning, went to Little Dribblers, coached our group, went home. I looked at my mom and I said, I don't, I, you call Coach Pepple and ask him what's going on. He looked me in the eye again and said, no, no I can't do it. You, you fig, you call him, you be an adult and you call him. So I called him and he, <laughs> true coach Pebble for me, told me the truth. And I said, okay, I, I, I got to I got to change his mind. And about halfway through my junior year, I, I changed his mind. I had a couple really good practices in a row and he finally stopped practice and said, okay, Patrick, you go from white to maroon. And I never, I never left maroon again. And it was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was his way almost of saying, I, I know you're good enough, but I'm kind of, ch I'm challenging you to show me. I did. And then, and, and it was, it was, it was one of the best life lessons I've ever gotten. Um, and my my our, our junior year, we ended up having a, a great year. Lost in the state state semis to Issaquah, and they had three three Division One basketball players, and then a six four four man who ended up playing right field for the Yankees for five or six years, named Colin Curtis. They were really good. And we get to the spring that year, and and I remember our, our juniors at the time, my grade. You know, we we were like, all right, it's our time now. This is our team. And we had three returners who had played in a varsity game from the year before. I was the leading returning scorer. I think I averaged like two and a half points. We had nothing coming back. And we had everybody telling it, oh, they're going to have a down year. This is going to be the year to get them. The, the Mercer Island reporter was writing rebuild or or reload. And, and you know the article was basically about how Coach Pebble is going to have to rebuild. And we all just kind of looked at each other and said, that's not going to happen. We had an unbelievable togetherness where nobody cared how we scored. We just all wanted to win. And I think it was, it was, it was the least egotistical group I've ever been a, been a part of. We had some college players, you know, three of us ended up playing division three point guard Khalil Matthews started at, at air force. He was a very good player. And we had our, our sixth man, Michael Gottlieb ended up playing football at the University of Washington. So we we had good players. We just didn't have what we had the year before. You know, I remember we went through the summer. We we're okay. 
and we get to our we get to you know the start of the season, roll off three wins in a row, um, and then we ended up losing to to Bothell at home by three. And remember in the locker room afterwards, people were down and this and that, and Bubba walks in, he looks around, he goes, guys, it's the fourth game of the year. Everybody relax. And we ended up winning 18 games in a row after that, won the league title, went undefeated, and uh, finished 24 and four. And we get to the state tournament. You know, we're, we're, we're 23 and two. Our only two losses are to, to Bothell and then a Rainier Beach team that I think had three or four NBA players on it. And we play Mark Morris in the first round. They had not lost. I think they had not lost or had lost one game. They were ranked second in the in the state. We end up winning by 20 and unfortunately lost the next night to a, a good West Valley team. But, you know, looking back, obviously, you know, you mentioned there's there's every every athlete's going to have some disappointments that they're going to have. Um, you know, was I disappointed we didn't win the state title? Absolutely. You know, that that's the goal every year at Mercer Island. You know, I remember a quote I heard from Coach Pebble after they lost in the district championship one year. You know, a reporter asked him, are you disappointed? And he said, well, we don't play for district championships in Mercer Island. You know, we play for state championships. So, you know, it was, it was disappointing. But at the same time, after we were able to reflect, having the pride that we had in the, in the season we had, and it wasn't as much – it was about our group, but it was really about carrying on what came before us. Justin Waldy's team, my freshman year, went undefeated in the league. Um, you know, the 99 team lost a game. You know, there were things that we could be proud of that, yeah, they might have they might have had other accomplishments that we didn't that were grander, but there were still little things that we did that they didn't do. This sense of carrying on the tradition for and the pride that, the, that these players had before you and who you looked up to um, – was was really gratifying so you end your mercer island career on a, on a high note going to state you know winning in the first round having a great season um you end up going to university of redlands a division three school down in southern california same conference that i played in uh, at pomona pitzer um, you spent a couple of years there um, i think it was a, a unique experience in, in the system that you played in down there uh, tell the audience a little bit about uh, Redlands basketball at that particular time. Uh, it was a complete contrast to what I, I was used to growing up. Uh, my freshman year, and I, I knew I knew what I was what I was walking into, but I, at the same time, I didn't know what I was walking into. Um, the year before, I think they had their their coach had gone to this. Uh, coach Smith had gone to this up-tempo, fast-paced, um, you know, it was essentially the, the LMU in the 90s with Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball on steroids. Um, we, we pressed, we trapped, we wanted the pace rapid. Um, the year before, I think they had averaged, you know, over 100 points. And so, you know, we had a philosophy that, the you know, we, we wanted to run and um, it was, I remember the first practice, Coach Smith, Came in, he said, okay, new guys, everything you've been taught about basketball, throw it out the window. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we won games 150 to 140. We lost to one game. We, you know, we lost one game, 181 to 153. Uh, my, my, we averaged 132 points my freshman year, which I think is still an NCAA 
record at any level. So the on the on the outside looking in, it's oh they're scoring all these points and this is great and it, you know it looks fun until you finish 500 both years. Um, my first two years, I think my first year we lost more. We lost more league games by the middle of January than I had in high school. And it was, it was very different for me. So I ended up playing two years there and, you know, unfortunately couldn't, couldn't adjust to it. And, um, you know, coach and I had a, a difference of opinions on how we wanted to play. So I ended up transferring back uh, to the state of Washington and, and graduated from Eastern Washington. Um, so I only played for two years uh, at Redlands, but it was, uh, you know, I, I think every experience has a, a lesson and it was, you know, I took some good things from it, but also some things that, you know, kind of shape one day if, if I get to run my own program, how I would do things. Right. Um, yeah, you uh, you played there a couple of years after I finished at Pomona and, you know, I, I played against that system as well when uh when that coach was down there um it was it was five guys in and out every two to four minutes and now one minute one minute it's one minute yeah um yeah. so and you know w there was 15 or 20 guys on the bench you know there were waves of guys coming in as far as a scouting report goes we we uh, coach cats at pomona just uh organized everybody into shooters drivers and screeners that was it yeah. there was nothing else <laughs> to the scouting report these are the guys that you can't let shoot. These are the guys that you got to play off of and defend the drive. And these are the guys that are going to be screening. So, um, and that was just about your press break. You know, we, we won more than we lost against them, but I remember losing one, maybe one, maybe two games over four years, just when, you know, if things got out of control and, and you were turning the ball over a lot, they, they could get right. you. Um, but, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, having the best players matters. And, um, you know, I think that we had, we had some pretty good guys that at that time were a little bit better than their guys, but you come back to, to the state of Washington, you, you mentioned you graduated from Eastern. Um, you were also coaching, uh, in the program, the MI program at that time for a few years. Um, I believe you came in, uh, during coach Pepple's last couple of seasons. I think we connected maybe at an open summer open gym or something and, and uh, I, I may have mentioned to you, hey, you should, you're, you're back. You should, you should start coaching with us. I was early in my coaching career and was having a blast. Um, was working with Coach Peppel. I think at that time started as his varsity assistant for my two years under him. And uh, you came on, spent a year with the sophomore team, um, spent another year um, in Coach's final season with with me um, as the varsity assistants. And then I think you spent one year um, under under me as head coach. But um, speaking about your experience, the two years under Coach Peppel, um, did your perspective change of him at that time? What, what things did you take away from your two years coaching under Coach Peppel and getting to watch him? Well, first of all, I, I tell people this all the time, Gab, you're you're the you're the guy that got me into coaching, um, as you just mentioned. I, we were at a I I was back for a fall open gym, I had just moved back to Seattle. And uh, 
I remember we were, we were talking on the sideline and you were kind of telling me about some of the guys. I, I knew some of the guys from, from growing up, um, but you were kind of telling me about the, the group you had. And I remember you looked at me and you're like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, we need a, a we need help at the sophomore level. You want to coach? And I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything going on at the time. I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. You know, um, in my mind, I was kind of like, all right, I'll, I'll give this a shot and, um, you know, see what happens. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, that was coach Pepple's second to last year. And I, I believe you, you guys had a great squad that year. I, I think, you know, went undefeated. That was the last, I think it was the last group to go undefeated in the league. Nope. One we went undefeated last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they were, they were really good. They were very good. And, uh, yeah, I remember when the season got done, he had a, a spot on his staff open up. Um, was that when Coach Lagerstadt left? Uh, Coach Lagerstadt's last year was your first year, correct? Okay. Yeah, so he okay. he uh, he was commuting from Tacoma, which was not sustainable, and he yeah he left after the 08 season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and uh, so I was fortunate enough to to be his his second varsity assistant his last year, and uh, it was really special, you know, kind of coming full circle. I had seen a lot of former players come back and coach with him. Um, Omar Parker, Fred Brown, Scott Diedrichson. Uh, I know I'm missing some guys, but I, I know there were a number of guys who, who would come back. Kyle Peppel, um, who would come back and coach with him. And uh, I didn't know it was going to be his last year. I don't think anybody knew. And that group to me was – you know, I, I had a, a special, they had a special place in my heart because they reminded me a lot of, of my group. You know, the team before them was really good. There wasn't a lot expected of them and they, they had a lot to prove. They were really fun to coach. Um, you know, I, I think they maxed their potential pretty darn close to what they could. Um, I know Bellevue at the time was really talented and, mm-hmm. and we had them on the ropes a couple of times. So, um, you know, it was, it was a fun group and, you know, it was just, it was, it was great, you know, getting, being involved in, in game plans and scouting reports and, um, you know, helping guys get better. And, and that was really when I fell in love with it. You know, the first year I was like, this is cool. I, I, I want to see where this takes me. And, and after that year, I was like, I, I want to do this. Um, <laughs> and initially it was, I want to, I want to, I want to be a teacher and, and, and I want to be a math teacher and, and coach high school. Um, but I remember, you know, during that year, the thing that was most impressive about coach was his willingness to let his assistants have a lot of say and a a, a lot of involvement. And, you know, as, as a guy who was, you know, he was hard to play for at times. Um, he expected a lot, he demanded a lot, but you also knew when you were done that he loved you and you had an ally for life as a, as a a coaching for him, I always felt like he was that empowerment was on another level. You know, he he wanted you to grow. He wanted you to be comfortable talking in, in front of the group. You better know what you're talking about, but as long as you could present yourself, you know, in a way that made sense, he'd, he'd let you do, 
not what you wanted to do, but he was very open to, to ideas. And I always appreciate that about him. You know, you mentioned kind of seeing him on in a different light. I think I'm, you know, I, I have a, I have a unique perspective on, I played for him, I coached for him. And then when he was done coaching, I was, I, you know, I've been around, I'm around Matt so much. I got to see an entirely different side of him, you know, like retired coach Pepple is one of the best people, <laughs> best people on the planet. Um, I mean, he was, he was, he was just so fun to talk to. And it was, you, you weren't talking to coach Pebble. You were talking to Ed. And, and I think there was, a, you know, and, and I think you can attest this too, Gab, there's a big difference. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend now, she, we started dating my first year at Point Loma and she would sit with him at all the games. <laughs> she loved him. She's like, I loved it. Like she, they would talk and he would ask her, I mean, it was coach Pebbly to ask her questions and just, you know, it, it, he, he, I saw a completely like another side of him that I don't think a lot of people did when they stopped playing for him. I think it made me appreciate him even more. Yeah. That's amazing. Your girlfriend sat with him for every game. Yeah. That's special. Um, yeah. I mean, those were, those were a few great years coaching with you. I know just, uh, just a little note. I mean, I love, I love coaching for working with the kids and, and, and everything, seeing them grow. That's priority number one, but a, a close second is always just the relationships with your assistant coaches and your fellow, fellow staff members. Um, so those couple Absolutely. of years under coach P with you, especially that year we spent together in his last year, as you said, we didn't know it was his last year. Mm -hmm. That was a special experience. We were down in California, you'll, you'll remember this. Of course, you remember the trip. We were down in, uh, what was it, uh, Redondo Beach. Yeah. And we played pretty well down there. I mean, we got that first win against the host school, yep. which was kind of unexpected. I actually watched that game back last summer. Um, it was pretty funny to see us on the bench and <laughs> see the intensity of that game and just see Coach Pepple coach again. It was it was yeah. kind, of, kind of an in interesting experience. But... Um, what I was going to mention, you said that he gave his staff a lot of empowerment and, uh, you know, input. I, I remember so clearly we were, I forget which game it was, but we were pre preparing like the second, third or fourth game of the tournament. And uh, the clock uh, <laughs> for the game is kind of ticking down. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're usually in the locker room about 20 minutes before or we try to come out about 20 minutes before. Not sure what it was for the tournament, but we're we're trying to time it all up and it's always, you know, well scripted and everything. We have the scouting report ready because at that time he was really letting us do the scouting reports for just about every game. Yeah. And then we'd run it by him and, and kind of preview it. And then he, he'd give his blessing. So we're in there getting ready to give the scout pregame, pregame talk. And he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's out on the court. He was talking to some coach, some other coach, maybe the coach we were about to play. He was that was one thing I always remembered about him is how how good of a guy he was to his fellow coaches. Yes. And, you know, how much he would talk to them before games and of course he found other people that he knew at the gym or whatever. He's one of those guys that just knows everybody, but mm -hmm. he was just in a conversation with somebody, wasn't even thinking about the time and and I think what it spoke to more was the confidence that he had in us to to really handle it. Um, and really that's a credit to him. I mean, 
speaking as a head coach, I can't imagine not being in the locker room to give the to be part of the pregame speech, you know, right. and just be like, well, they, they've they've handled it. Um, no. To be honest, actually, I have I have a coach right now, Shay Robinson, who 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 I do have confidence in that, and I as I'm saying it, I know that I have been elsewhere and he's been handling things. So I, so he's, he's somebody that has been that for me, but, um, yeah, just really spoke to, to coach Peppel and the, and the, um, you know, just his ability to, to be confident in his coaches and, mm-hmm. and, uh, trust us. And, um, and, and we're just like, well, I guess we're moving forward and giving this pregame. Let's give the scout. <laughs> he came in like about five with about five minutes left and, and we played the game, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll you, never forget that. You mentioned, you know, he, he always, he knew everybody and, and everybody, you know, he said hi to everybody. I was at a, a, a Wipka event a couple summers ago. Um, we, I think we had been on the job for two months and I, fl- I flew up to Seattle for, for a couple of days and went to this event and he was there. And so we're standing there talking and we probably talked for 20 minutes you know, just a typical Coach Pebble conversation. And he probably had 15 people come up and interrupt and say hi or <laughs> just, you know, coach, what's going on? Are we playing racquetball on Thursday? You know, I, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, and, and I'm, you know, they don't know me from Adam and I'm standing there like this guy hasn't coached for 10 years and these guys are still I mean, it just showed the the connection and the respect that they had for him. And I, I think the respect came more from how he treated everybody. Um, right. It, it was less to do with wins and less to do with basketball. And just, he was a good, he was a great guy off the court. He was competitive and, you know, as we all are on the court, but off the court, he was, he was great. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, man, I, I hope people are doing that to me when I'm 86. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's winners out there that no one wants to talk to, right? Um, but Coach Peppel, it was something different. Um, yes. It was his relationships and his kindness and what he gave to everybody else. Um, so while you're coaching with us, um, I end up taking over the program. You you had one year um as my assistant coach at the varsity level, um, my first year, that was a, that was a fun year. I mean, gosh, thinking back, I, I, I knew very little about what I was doing. Oh, I, we, I don't think we had any idea. What we I thought doing. I was well prepared. And, and I, you know, for a new coach, every new coach is going to not be as well prepared as you will be eventually. Right. But, um, yeah, we were, we were a young staff. Um, we took a shot at it, made some mistakes probably, um, and, uh, but got through that year, um, had a, had a nice, nice senior class, uh, to work with to start off my career. And, and then you, I know, I remember talking to you cause you wanted to pursue coaching. And, and one of the things I, I felt you needed to do was just go be a head coach. And so, um, I know we had you coach one year as, um, I think it was the eighth grade team, the, the 2016 class, Josh Stenberg and, mm-hmm. Sam Nordale and some of those guys um, with the ETL team. Um, you eventually then started working with ECBA and Jason Basket, um, kind of traveling the country, doing the the high high level AAU stuff um, in the summer. Had a lot of guys that were recruited off of your team. 
um, it's definitely one of the ways that, that people become a college basketball coach is to kind of get into that world, get into that environment, the recruiting and, um, and, and the high level players. Um, so you, you spent three or four years doing that. I think, um, how valuable was that experience for you in kind of being a stepping stone towards, uh, what you're doing now? Oh, it was, it was invaluable. I, I would say, you know, you, you got me into coaching and, Jason got me into college coaching. Um, I, I can't, I, I'll never be able to pay him back for what he did for me. You know, working for him for four summers, what I learned, what he taught me, how he ran his program. Um, at the time, he was probably one of the top two AAU programs in the state. He just knew. He knew so much about the game and he had been around so many high level players before that. I just thought when he called me, he said, Hey, you know, I, I need an assistant for this summer. A guy I thought I was going to have is gone. I can't pay you, but you know, I'll pay for your expenses and travel and, and all that. And, you know, I was working at Island park elementary at the time in the, in the special ed uh, department. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I, I, I didn't want to just sit around all summer and, and not do anything. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to, I want to learn how, you know, I wanted to, you know, be around different you know, other coaches and new ideas and, and see if I could bring some of them back to, to Mercer Island. And that first summer, his oldest daughter was going to be a senior in high school. And when she was in fifth or sixth grade, they had put together a team that was basically all her friends. She ended up stop uh, stopping playing basketball because um, she ended up being a very good soccer player and went, went to college to, to be a, I think she was a goalie. But her friend group was still playing and Jason had made them a promise in seventh grade. When you guys are your junior summer, I will coach you. So his priority his first summer was his girls program. And uh, Kevin Field who was the, the other coach who had played for Jason and ended up playing at Oregon State in Portland. He was a very good player. He and I pretty much coached the team. Um, you know, Jason would show up at random tournaments when the girls weren't playing and he would come to practice when they weren't practicing. But, I mean, Kevin and I were coaching those guys. And I learned, I had to learn really fast. I, I better know what I'm talking about because these guys don't know me yet. And they, they, there needs to be a level of respect from them, from me, if I really want to do this. And we had, I mean, no disrespect to any other group I've coached. That was the most fun group I've ever had coaching in my life. They were so unique for an AAU team. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, of the Mercer Island teams that were great. No one cared who got the credit. No one cared who scored. They just wanted to win. And they were, it was this sense of if I get a scholarship, we get a scholarship. Three of those guys ended up playing at Seattle Pacific. I think one was an all, all GNAC player, very good player. We had a, a kid on that team who went to uh, UMass. We had Kai Sherman was on that team who ended up going to Texas San Antonio. Um, we had a kid go to Cal Poly, Montana State. I mean, we had we had a lot of of Division One college players um, or high level Division Two, and and there's 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 no difference between high level Division Two and, and Division One. But I remember getting done with that summer and thinking, 
I think I want to, I think I want to try and be a college coach. Um, it was just, it was a different, different feel. Um, I wasn't fully in on teaching at the time. And uh, what, what really helped was coach Logie had just gotten the job at Whitworth that spring. So it was, he was going into his first year and he, I, I'm pretty sure we probably played 50 games that summer. I'll bet you he was at 35 of them and really got to see me without Jason there. You know, I, I got to do a lot of the defense. I had input on the offense. It was, you know, it, it, Jason reminded me a lot of Coach Pebble in the sense of he was really demanding and really hard, and, and you better know what you're talking about. And his players, you know, you better play hard. But off the court, he loved you. He loved them. And that was easy for me to kind of assimilate myself into that. I was very, it was just familiar to me. So we had a great summer that year and uh, had a lot of guys get, you know, a lot of opportunities. And I ended up doing that for three more summers. We had a number of guys who, you know, went on to play college basketball. At that, you know, at that time, I was able to make some really good connections with guys who were college coaches or in the college game who, who got to see you know kind of the players I was around and how we ran the, the program and what we expected of them and uh, you know it was it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me it's awesome yeah I spent a couple of years with Jason prior to your starting with him I had a similar experience it was it was a ton of fun and got to see some really high level ba- basketball players. And, you know, I can remember some of the guys that we coached against or played, but yeah, a, a great, a great experience, great guy. And somebody that, you know, Jason had a big impact on Mercer Island basketball. He trained a lot of our guys um, For sure. as he was beginning his business and um, had a lot of our guys play in his program over the years. And he's certainly a, a, a big friend of the program. What you said before was a good segue to, to my next question. You know, you've had a, a few different stops as a coach at the college level. Um, you ended up starting with Coach Logie at Whitworth at some point there. Um, spent some years with him uh, as an assistant coach. Uh, went down to San Diego as a, a grad assistant and video coordinator for a couple of years. You were at Western Oregon for one year, I believe. And now you're at Point Loma. So kind of combining all those experiences, are there any big takeaways and, and big moments there. And I think um, one thing we talked about before we started recording was just the importance of relationships. How, how has the importance of the relationships at those different levels helped you get to where you are today? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be coaching college if it wasn't for coach Logie and, and playing for coach Pebble. I mean, that, that right there is, um, the, the probably the, the number one reason I even got a shot at Whitworth. He called me, uh, I think it was my third year coaching with Jason. And he said, Hey, I've got an assistant leaving. He's going to go be a high school coach in Spokane. He can't, I can't pay you. We might be able to get you some camp money throughout the year, but if you can make it work, uh, I'd love for you to come over and, and be a part of the program. And, you know, I was, I think I was 20, six or 27. Um, I was single, you know, there was, there was really nothing tying me down. And I, I literally told him, when do you want me there? You know, like I'll, I'll figure it out. So I spent three years there 
I worked at a uh, high school during the day from about 7.30 to 2.30. At 2.30, I would drive to Whitworth, which was, I mean, and, and it was really lucky because the high school was five minutes from Whitworth, so it was an easy commute. I would drive to Whitworth. I was there from probably 2.30 to 8 or 9. And the first year, I, I, I kind of, you know, I'm feeling, feeling my way out. You know, how do I find, how do I bring value? Um, and I finally figured out, you know, what holes I could plug with what I knew how to do. A lot of video, a lot of film, you know, Whitworth perennially goes to the NCAA tournament every year. So what I would try and do starting usually in late January, or early February, is I'd start looking at other conferences across the country and kind of figure out, okay, which of these schools could we potentially play, you know, in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament, then I would start filming their games. So if we potentially played them, we had film already. Um, Synergy, which is very highly used at the college level these days, was still relatively new at the time. Um, And so, you know, I was, I was really creative with how, you know, how would we get these games? Um, And then, you know, just tried to absorb as much as I could about college basketball and how to run a program. How is it different? How is it similar? Where does most of my energy need to be to, you know, help the group? Um, You know, those first three years were really valuable just in terms of my overall growth as a coach. We had a lot of success. Um, We were 74 and 12 my three years there and, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to play in three NCAA tournaments. So it was, uh, it was great for me for, from a first job standpoint, was able to go to the university of San Diego after that. And the reason for that was one of their assistants at the time, Sam Scholl, who's now the head coach there. Um, he and I had developed a good relationship from recruiting. Uh, he's from the Northwest. He played at gig Harbor and won a state championship in, uh, I think 1996. So he was very familiar with the kids we were working with and coaching. Um, one of our players that ended up going to Santa Clara to play there. And uh, the AAU piece coupled with our success at Whitworth got me in the door at, at San Diego. And uh, I spent two years there as, the, as a GA, the video coordinator. The, the great thing about that experience was we had a lot of turnover in our staff at that time. There were times where I'd be wearing a lot of different hats. Um, director of operations. I got to get on the road each year and go recruit um, at some very high level events. Got to meet a lot of coaches, um, you know, and and it was my role was I I could go in and shoot with our guys at any time. You know, there were no restrictions on hours for me. So, you know, I was in the gym at 1030. I was in the gym at six in the morning. It was whenever guys wanted to get shot. So let's go, let's go shoot. So it was, uh, it was, it was all those pieces coupled with the opportunity to have my master's paid for was really important to me. So I spent two years there and then was fortunate enough to get on staff at uh, Western Oregon University. The year I got there, they had just come off a 31 and two season. They were ranked number three in the country and they had gotten upset actually in the sweet 16, but they had a really, really good year. The reason I got on there was um, a guy named Zach Payne, who's an assistant at Montana for Travis DeCure, former Mercer Island guy. He was the assistant at Western Oregon. And so when he he got a new job that spring and 
told um, his boss, Jim Shaw, who was a longtime assistant at Washington and Oklahoma. I mean, he's one of the best in the business. He, he was really pushing for him to, to hire me. Coach Logie knew Coach Shaw a little bit. And then Lamont Smith, who was the guy I worked for at USD, was really close with Coach Shaw. So you mentioned the relationship aspect of college basketball. Those three guys were, were really pushing um, him to hire me. And fortunately, he did. Um, I spent a year there. We, again, <laughs> and, you know, kind of going full circle, the group we had coming back at Western Oregon was similar to my, my senior year at Mercer Island. You know, they were following a great team. We had a lot, we had good pieces, but we weren't as talented as the group before us. And we were, you know, we, we maximized what we could and it made the NCAA tournament um, again. So it was, uh, it was great um, on a couple levels. One, I got to work for a, a incredibly high level guy. And I mean, he's, He's as competitive as can be. He 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 taught me more about the business than I had I had learned in my years, all my years combined before that. Um, you know, I, I like to tell people I got my I got my master's at USD, but I got my PhD in basketball at, at Western Oregon. Um, just learning from Coach Shaw. So spent a year there, and then um, when Coach Logie got the Point Loma job, um, he called me and said, "Hey." I, I'm, I'm going back to San Diego. I'm moving to San Diego. Do you have any interest in going back? And I kind of told him the same thing when he hired me at Whitworth, you know, when do you need me there? Um, just a chance to go, go work for a guy that I'd known for 25 years and trusted and, um, you know, really respected. And I had, I had always wanted to move back to San Diego. Um, and this was a great, great chance for me to do that. So um, that that's kind of my full circle uh, college experience. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, not a bad place to, to be living, San Diego. So, you know, building on that, uh, Coach Logie is, is who you work for at, at, at uh, Point Loma. I've had the chance to spend some time with him at, at Whitworth and, and now Point Loma. So uh, what's, what's one, or, one or two takeaways about Coach Logie that make him such a strong coach? And we know that he's going to just continue to grow um, and, and build, uh, build great programs as he continues coaching, but what, what are the things that make him great? I think uh, to me, he's, he's relatable with our guys. He's easy to talk to. Um, he gives our players a lot of freedom to, to, to play. He's, he's very, very big on culture and life after basketball and, and after college. You know, one of the, one of the things he, he loves the most and I'm speaking for him, but I'm going to is, you know, getting invited to weddings of former players or, you know, big life accomplishments. One of them will text in like, Hey coach, this happened. You know, he's, he's just a rock solid guy that um, is easy to talk to. And he's, he's really easy to get along with. You know, I think that his ability to, to build a team is what may, is what makes him, as good as he is. And he's great about putting our guys in the right spots, offensively maximizing their potential. Our skill development is a big piece of it. Those are some of the things that we really sell in the recruiting process. And we have, we have the proof and the ability to to back it up. So, you know, I, I I would say those things. And then he, he's just, he's just, just easy going. And he, he's got his priorities in the right places 
we all have a job. We all have a job to do, especially in, in college athletics. I think a lot of times there's this perception that you have to be working 24 seven and it, it never stops, but he's very conscious of spending time with his family, spending time with his kids, um, making sure that, that they know that they're the priority, which um, I think is, is pretty rare in this business. So um, those are, those are some of the things that I think make him uh, as good as he's been. And what are your future aspirations in coaching? Where, where's, where's Patrick Frost's career going? We never know, of course, but, but you know, what are your visions? Um, that's a great question. I, I'm very happy where I am right now. I think we've got, we've got something really special down here just with our location. And um, we came in at a time when they, you know, the, the program had just come off a, a D2 national championship game appearance. So people are starting to really know more and learn and, and figure out that, you know, Point Loma is a kind of an up and coming program. And uh, I like the trajectory of where we're going, but I ultimately want to be a head coach. I, I, I think of having, you know, experience at all three levels. I'm not sure where that is, but, you know, ultimately I'd like to, you know, run my own program. And I think we all want to do that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that that'll happen. And, and, you know, that's, it's obviously a, a goal of mine, but I, I, you know, right now I'm, I'm where my feet are and I, I, I like, I like where we're at. I like the kids that we have. I really enjoy coaching the guys that we've chosen to, to bring in. And uh, I, I think that we've got a lot of, a lot of good things ahead. So I want to ask you about it. Advice you have for, for young, let's start with players. Um, and we're wrapping up here, but advice for young players, you know, you've been involved in several college programs. You've, you know, played in high school, you, you were recruited um, combining all of your different experiences. What, how do you summarize your advice for young players that maybe want to play at the next level, want to play college, um, or even just want to improve in their high school career? What's, what are the keys to maximizing your potential? Well, I, I think number one is you, you have to be willing to do it. It can't be somebody else, a coach, a parent, a, a workout guy, whoever it is, it can't be them forcing you to do it. If you want to do it, it's up to you. What I've, I've always felt, and I, I try and incorporate this into some of our workouts is I watch a lot of, of NBA and I didn't used to, I used to not enjoy watching, watching the NBA and that's changed in the last few years. And my belief is, if you want to improve or you want to get better at a skill, let's say, let's, let's narrow it down and say a skill, watch the best players in the world. do it. You know, how does, how does Devin Booker come off screens and, and, and attack, you know, how does, how does Steph move without the ball? Um, I mean, Steph, Steph might be in the best shape of anybody in the league. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a big um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'll watch Jokic highlights till my eyes are red. 
you know, just in terms of how skilled he is. So if you want to be good, watch the best do it, you know, um, how does CJ McCollum attack off of ball screens? You know, just there's examples like that. That's what, that's what, that's what I'm trying to get our guys right now to think about is, all right, you, you want to do this, watch the best guys do it. I think also, um, in today's, I, I just think today's, it's just different. You know, when we were growing up, we didn't like, I didn't have the, we, there was no skill development guys. There were, it was, you know, I would, I would go shoot with Jason, but there were probably 15 to 20 guys there working out. So there was, it was, it was just not a lot of one-on-one stuff. I did a lot of stuff with, with our high school coaches. I did a lot of stuff on my own. So I, I would say if you can find a guy or if you can find people that you trust with your development, go with them. And it's not the guy who gets the most likes on Twitter. It's not the guy who can get the most retweets. It's the guy who's going to make you better. And it's the guy who's going to push you and sometimes tell you what you don't want to hear. Those are the guys I would seek out to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the recruitment process, I think it's, it's, it's so different this year, but don't, don't be afraid to, you know, reach out to coaches, you know, email us. I think kids just want to be told the truth or, or where they're at. You know, I, I, we probably get 50 emails a day and some of them I don't respond to. Some of them I do. It's just kind of the, the nature of the, of the game, but, um, you know, I, I think the more you can put yourself out there and the more you can show improvement, you know, that'll catch our eye. It's not the highlight tapes. Everybody can look good in a highlight tape. Um, send a full game film so we can see you play defense and we can see what your habits are when you come off the court, when you walk to the bench. Um, are you coachable? Do you do you stand up when you're on the bench and somebody else comes out of the game or are you too concerned? with your own self that you can't get out of your box. Um, you know, those are, those are things that, that we look at when we're recruiting kids. Um, I would say there's, there's four things we really look at. I know sorry, this is kind of long winded, but fine. there's four things that we really look at. Um, number one is talent. Your talent quotient is just, is going to automatically get you on the board. Okay. This kid's good enough. Let's, let's recruit him. Okay. Or let's evaluate him. There's three other pieces that we we really look at too. Number one is character. What's your social media look like? And some of the things I just mentioned. You know, how, how do you treat your your teammates when they come off the court? How do you talk to your parents after games? Um, I've called I've called guidance counselors before. Just hey, how is he when he comes in and, and he has a, a meeting about his about college with you? You know, little, like things like that. Um, the second one is is work ethic. You know, how often are you in the gym? Are you getting better? Are you actually, are you in the gym? Or are you getting better in the gym? I think there's a, there's a stark difference there. And then the last one is um, passion. You know, are, are you, are you passionate about, you know, how often are you in the gym? You know, do you, do you watch basketball? Do you study basketball? I mean, I think, you know, this is a, a an example that's kind of an outlier, but I mean, Kobe was so, I mean, he was almost like maniacal about his passion for the game, but there's a reason he's probably one of the 10 best players to ever play. 
So, you know, what's your, what's your passion look like? You know, I would say those are, those are the four things that we really evaluate when we go through the recruiting process. Any advice for young coaches? You want to climb the ladder? Yeah. Um, I'm a firm believer in no job is too, too small. You have to be willing to kind of do what's asked of you in your role. And there's a, there's a few ways to go about that. Number one, I think I, I guys get jobs in this profession, number one, because they can recruit. If you can recruit, you're going to climb the ladder quicker than other guys. But there are other ways to get in. You know, I was a, I was a 29-year-old GA at USD. I, I got in late. And I would, I would wipe sweat off the floor. I'd get the balls out before practice. I would set up the clock. I would, you know, just stuff that managers normally do, right? Well, we didn't have, sometimes we didn't have that luxury. So I had to do it. it you know, it is what it is. It's, it shows the staff you're on. Number one, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And number two, he's, he's, he's invested in what we're doing. Um, so as, as you start to, to climb, you know, when, when you're trying to get jobs, you, you'll know, you'll know when a job is real, when they call your head coach. I always tell guys this, when they call your boss or they call your head coach, it's just like any other profession. Do you, are you comfortable? And only you can answer this. Are you comfortable with what your boss is going to tell them? Or are you living in, a different world thinking you are working hard, but you might not be prepare, like prepare for the job you want, not the job you have. That That's how I view it. Um, so I, my advice coming full circle, my advice would be no jobs too small, be willing to do anything and always bring value to whatever you're doing. That's great. Great advice um, for coaches and players. Patrick, this was a lot of fun. Um, some really great stuff for players, coaches, parents. I mean, there's a lot to be learned from all the things, all of your experiences, um, going all the way back to just your time as a, as a high school player. And so um, this is really valuable for, for our audience, and it was great catching up. I, I learned even some some things about you that, that I didn't know before. So um, awesome stuff. Good luck with your career. Good luck uh, at Point Loma. You know, I'm hoping to get down there this year to to maybe take in a game or take in a preseason practice finally. Um, but uh, you guys are running a great program, and I know you'll have a great season next year. So good luck with everything. Thanks, Gaff. Appreciate having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share the Be Early podcast and follow me on Twitter at CoachCreeMI for updates about Mercer Island basketball and previews to new podcast episodes. And remember, in the words of Coach Peppel, if you can't be on time, be early.